Praise the Lord. So I want to go backwards about a week. <laughs> and, you know, I want to clarify a couple of things. You know, somebody sent me an article about one of the topics that we talked about. Remember, we were talking about that uh, uh, Reverend Warnock, Warnock, who on Easter morning put on Twitter... Uh, you know, he's a that newly elected uh, senator from Georgia. He tweeted, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through the, a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Well, he later deleted the tweet, and there were a lot of, there was a lot of strong reaction. And some conservative Christians denounced him as a heretic for his view of the resurrection. And other Christians came to his defense, citing his credentials as a theologian and pastor of Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church um, was good. Rather than condemn his message, they applauded him for sharing a more humanistic message that included non-Christians. Mm. Well, the man who's writing this article... I mean, somebody sent this article to me. Jason Oliver Evans is a Baptist minister and theologian himself, and he feels like it's important to understand how Baptists hold differing, differing views on the meaning of the resurrection. And I didn't know that Baptists had a different view. Hmm. But, um, you know, Easter is a Christian holiday which commemorates the story of Jesus' resurrection. And while none of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, describe the actual event of the resurrection in detail, they give varying reports about the empty tomb and Christ's post-resurrection appearances among his followers in Galilee and in Jerusalem. They also report that it was women who discovered the empty tomb and received the, and proclaimed the first message that Christ was risen from the dead. And earliest Christians believed that by raising Jesus of Nazareth from the dead, God vindicated Jesus from the torture and death he unjustly incurred at the order of Pilate. And that Jesus now, as a crucified, risen Lord, shares in God's power to transform the creation and put an end to evil and suffering. So, by affirming the resurrection's Resurrection. Christians do not mean that Jesus' body was merely resuscitated. Rather, rather, it means that he entered into a, an entirely new form 
of existence. So this New Testament scholar, Timothy, Luke Timothy Johnson, indicates. He conquered death. And he's talking about uh, spiritual death as well as uh, natural death because those who are caught up in the air uh, won't see the natural, but more importantly, the spiritual. I think when it comes to Easter, I don't refer to it as Easter because that's a pagan title for the goddess Esther. I think they forget the purpose because it's really the Passover. It's really, the Lord says, you remember his death till he comes. So it's like they forget the, the, the true, the full meaning. You know, they, they talk about the resurrection, but it's like they skip over the fact that he's the Passover, that he suffered, that he, that he was innocent in his suffering, that he took on the sins of the people, that his visage was more uh, marred than any other person, that he took on all the sins, all the uh, burdens, he took all of that upon himself, that he hung on the cross and that he suffered for us and that he died, that he took our place. I think a lot of that is missed on Easter. They're not remembering the Lord's death. They talk about the resurrection, which is important, but he didn't get to the resurrection until he died. And, and the fact that blood had to be shed because there's no remission of sins unless there's a shedding of blood. His blood had to be shed. An innocent life had to be taken. And then had to be a perfect sacrifice. No blemish, no flaws. Had to be totally acceptable unto God. A lot of that is missed in the present day, to me, uh, commemoration of what they consider to be Easter. They forget it's a Passover. Well, I think this article is just clarifying or supporting this uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, um, because he's a Baptist, and he's saying, just merely trying to say that Baptists are 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 completely are really divided on the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Well, so they're wrong. focusing on they're focusing on how Jesus wrong. rose from the dead. I don't think. Well, then something's wrong. I don't think that he's saying. There's something, um, there's something is wrong. This, it's like to me, you can't debate truth. It's like you can't fabricate truth. You can't, you can't have a difference in how you think salvation comes. There's just one door. There's one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's just one God. And so when the Lord tells you that he conquered death, and when the Lord tells you that he rose from the dead and that he's no longer uh, just flesh and blood, but he's spiritual. When the Lord tells you that he's ascended up and that he goes to prepare a place for us, you can't say, well, you know, I have a different opinion about that. Somewhere along the line, even well, Paul, when there was something that was debatable, they went to Jerusalem so that they could pray and get the correct understanding of what it was that they should be teaching. Because something's not right when you have different teachings about something that is as important as a person's salvation. So um, I, what I didn't know in this article, it says that Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. explained that in his early adolescence, he denied the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and I didn't know that. I, and so he wrote a paper trying to make sense of what led to the development of the Christian doctrine of Jesus' bodily resurrection for King the experience of the early followers of Jesus was at the root 
of their beliefs in his resurrection. Well, how could they read the same Bible and come up with the fact that they denied the bodily resurrection when the Lord told Thomas, here, here's the, the, the scars in his hand, the, touch my side. You know, how could they read the well, same? Well, I don't know what Bible the Baptists Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that means. I mean, do you think, I mean, it's it's got to be a, Maybe a different translation uh, than the King James. Oh, uh, I'd like to see that one because I mean, how could they not? Uh, well, anyway, I think he was trying to say, you know, I understand where he's coming from. He's Baptist, and Baptists have all these different uh, different views. Well, something's wrong. Um, something's wrong. Just like Paul told them, he said, "Now, if anybody else, I don't care if it's an angel." Comes preaching any other gospel, you let them be accursed because there has to be one truth. There has to be one standard. Yeah, you, you just you can't have all these different standards. And somebody says, "Well, I'm just going to believe in this standard. You believe in that standard." No, you have to believe in the truth. So if you don't know what the truth is, you have to seek the truth. If you don't have an understanding, you have to ask God. To give a person, give me an understanding, Lord, so that I can understand. Grant me interpretation of your word. Grant me revelation of your word. Bless me to see the truth. Because you can't go just off thinking, this is how I see it. That doesn't work. A lot of people see things a lot of different ways. But how does the, what does the Lord say? He's one of the first things you do when you put on the armor of God. You girt about your loins with truth. You you have, there is right a truth, wrong. right? Like when Pilate said, "What is truth?" And truth was standing there, looking him right in the face. There is one truth, and people don't want to say that there's one truth. They want to say there are many truths. Nope, there's just one truth. So he's, def I guess, defending Warnock, and he's saying that according to Warnock's tweet, the meaning of Easter goes beyond the question of what happened to Jesus' body, hmm. making hmm. resurrection a matter of what human beings can do to make more just and humane society, regardless of religious affiliation. But that's not beyond the Lord's body. That's common, everyday, man-made. Uh, that's, that's, that's something that's man-made, that's, that's mortal. That doesn't go beyond God. That's, that's the cares and concerns of this life. That doesn't go beyond the Lord. When we talk about, well, what happened to the Lord's body, we're talking it's about... It's works. It's just we're, we're natural about, works. Right, and natural works does not supersede the Lord. We're talking about a, a person who had no sin in his body. We're talking about a life that was given up. Somebody said, well, they found a, a piece of the cross and they think they have Jesus' blood on it. It can't be if you don't if you don't recognize whether or not it's the Lord's blood because he was incorruptible. So therefore, if there's blood, it's as fresh then as it is now. You know, because there is no sin. He saw no corruption. The Lord, there was nothing. There was no decay. You know, like when your body's dying and then once you die, you go through that uh, decomposing. Mm -hmm. None. Jesus, the Lord said he saw no corruption. So if a person tells you that they found a piece of the cross and they're going to analyze it because they think his blood is on there, say, oh, no, you didn't find the cross. I mean, you might have found a cross, but you didn't find the cross because the Lord's body was sinless. Well, I just thought I'd throw that out 
um, because we, I, I talk about it because someone sent that article to me. And then I want to go back. So we talked about this last week too, and this article about this popular book that includes a prayer asking for God to help me hate white people. Ugh, you know. How ridiculous. I want to go back and talk about this a little bit again. Now, for those that have not been listening to our program, we talked about an article where there's a book. It's supposed to be a like a devotional, and it's called the a Rhythm of Prayer, and it's the number one book in, on Amazon's Christian Meditation and Devotion section. It's also available in Walmart's Christian Life Prayer section and Target's Religious Belief section. It includes a bunch of, or a collection of prayers and meditations, including one by Shaniqua Walker Barnes that sparked controversy. And I'm going to just read a little bit about her, uh, her prayer. It says, Dear God, Please help me to hate white people, or at least want me to hate them. At least, I want to stop caring about them individually and collectively. I want to stop caring about their misguided racist souls, to stop believing that they can be better, and they can stop being racist. Um, and she's a clinical psychologist <laughs> and ecumenical minister. <laughs> hmm. So when I read this article, it says that she uh, is directing her wannabe hate to Fox News-loving, Trump-supporting voters who don't see color. Um, and um, when I think about this, I, you know, after we talked about it last week, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking she is no different than the people she wants to hate. She's worse. Because she claims to be enlightened. She claims to be a child of God. And then she's asking the Lord to And then she's Lord asking the do... Lord to bless her in her sin. She, right. She's asking God to do what's contrary to his nature. Now, even, even when she said that she found uh, she, her prayers are based upon Psalms, when David talked about hating, he talked about hating those who hated the Lord. Not because of his skin color. Not well, because let me go back and, and explain that. But for people who haven't, who didn't hear this, she did say that it is modeled after the Psalms. Mm -hmm. She didn't say which Psalm. She didn't specify um, a chapter or verse. She just uh, she just probably read what David, just like in Psalms 139, David said, "I do hate them, O Lord, that hate thee." And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, David said because they hated the Lord. She's talking about because of something that they've done to her personally or how they regard. And then she lumps all people, all white people, in the same category. I don't see how in the world she can even let that come out of her mouth knowing that she professes to be, what, a, a pastor or, or something. But David took a stand for the Lord. Now, but God said, now that was in the, that's the first covenant. You know, that's under the, under the law, because back then you hated your enemies. But in the New Testament, under grace, God told them, he said, that was said in times past. He told them that was in times past. He said, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love your neighbor. Okay, where are you reading? 
I'm reading from Matthew's, uh, the fifth chapter and the 43rd verse. It said, you have heard that it have been said in times past that thou shalt love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, this is the Lord saying, I'm saying this, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. That's pretty hard to do. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That, he said, now this is necessary that you do this. So why? That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. If you don't do this, you're not saved. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just yes, well and the on the just, unjust. For if we love them which love you, what, what kind of reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same? He said, one of the worst sinners is do that. And if you salute your brethren only, what, uh, how are you more than, than somebody else? He said, do you not even uh, the publicans do? He said, don't the publicans do the same thing? He said, so you have to be better than that. You got to be better than the enemy. He said, be therefore perfect. When people say you can't be perfect, yes, you can. How do you be perfect? In love. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. You be perfect in your love. So how can she ask God to help her hate? You know, and, and not for his namesake, not for his glory's sake, not because they hate him. Help her to hate because they're racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm telling you. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that. The Lord says you can't, I mean, you can't ask him to bless your sin. No. You want, actually, what you're doing is asking, you want to sin. Right. You want to go contrary to the word of God, and, and you want him to bless it. Right. And have you prosper that way. And if somebody tells you that's wrong, you ought to be able to hear the truth. If somebody says you can't do that. And what's amazing is that it's a number one bestseller on Amazon. And there's probably people going around talking about help me to hate somebody. That's so ridiculous. You know. And if you're truly, truly praying, something in you will say, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> this isn't the characteristics of the Lord. Your feet, the second thing that he said when you put on the whole armor, you know, he said, uh, you know, you have your loins brought with the truth, you know, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you want to do the right thing, and then you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What kind of peace? Peace in your mind, peace in your heart, peace and confidence in the fact that when you leave here, you're going to see the Lord's face in peace. Peace in the fact that you're saved. Peace in the fact that you are grounded in love. I, people get in their flesh, and they don't acknowledge the Lord at all. No. Well, now I want to get back to our topic. I know last week I did promise that we were going to talk about godly affirmations. And then I got to thinking about um, maybe we should just clarify what affirmations are. What, what are we talking about? And basically what they are are statements, and they're a string of powerful words that you put together, and they're meant to affect your behavior and affect the course of your life in a positive way. So um, you want to change a habit, you want to create a better life for yourself, you want to change the way that you think, 
You want, you want to affect a change in your life for the better, somehow, whatever it is, financially or emotionally or, um, I don't know. There are thousands and thousands of affirmations out there. And um, what you just basically want your life to change. You want some peace of mind. You want, uh, I don't know. So I, I found a few, and I know some people who have had affirmations, and they wrote them out, and they'd keep them out in front of them, and they would look at them. They would repeat them. They would have them on their mirror. They would say them several times over and over again, like, um, I allow myself to be who I am without judgment. Okay. Or I accept my emotions and let them serve their purpose. Okay. <laughs> I trust in myself to make the right decision. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm becoming closer to my true self every day. Well, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I am at peace with who I am as a person. Mm. Mm -hmm. I make a difference in the world by simply existing in it. Okay. I give myself space to grow and learn. I feel proud of myself when, and then you're supposed to fill in the blank, like when I do this uh -huh. or when I do that. I give myself permission to do what is right for me. Mm -hmm. So well, these are a if few... If you serial killer, that really scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning valuable lessons from myself every day. Uh -huh. well, anyway, that's, that's worldly affirmations. Yes, Those it are is. carnal affirmations. And, and, and they aren't really accomplishing anything except for giving a person a feeling of justification for themselves. That's a person who's got a standard and their standard is their own standard. So they compare themselves to themselves and they are their own benchmark. And that doesn't provide a person with any type of deliverance or power. Right. Or, or I don't anything. think any kind of simple or I don't care how strong or, or you know, simple the affirmation is. I don't think they're enough to entirely change your life completely you, you can't you know, change they can't they can help you they can help you change your mindset get rid of negative thoughts maybe to a maybe train to a your extent. mind to say me 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 i i i this is me and you got to learn to love me and instead of <laughs> right instead and, and of that, what the and, lord says and that, that will fail you because you can't put confidence in your flesh you can't do it so and Affirmations are based on, and I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this today or not. Affirmations are based on your strength, what you can do, what you are capable of doing, what you have the strength to do, not, not what God is able to do for you or in you or with you or to you, mm -hmm. but it's you, yourself, your own strength. Me, myself, you know? and I. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and it's and dangerous. actually, they depend. Your affirmations depend on you, right? And <laughs> really? somebody might say, "Well, what's wrong with that?" What's wrong with that is that you don't have the authority. You can't order or direct your path. The Lord has to do it. You can't order your own footsteps. The Lord has to order your steps. You have to. You can't be disconnected from the root and still think that you're going to live. You have to stay connected to the Lord. It's impossible. And people run into shipwreck because somehow they think that they can 
in certain matters, step away from God. You can't do it. I mean, if you're going to affirm, do like David. He said, like in the 139 Psalms, he said, he said, Lord, you searched me. You know me. I mean, that's an affirmation. You know it's my down-sitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts far okay. off. We're going to have to get into that next week. But right. I just wanted to, I, I just wanted, to, the question I had is, are godly affirmations the same as regular affirmations that we make up? And, it's, and they're, so they're different. We're going to get into it a little bit deeper next week. This, you know, so far we've run out of time. Well, praise the Lord, and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Now, here is a godly affirmation that I have <laughs> from Psalms 34 and 1. I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what happened when the poor man cried? And the answer is, the Lord heard him and saved him from his troubles. And that can be found in Psalm 34, chapter 34, verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. This week's Food for Thought is, what will the Lord do for you if you wait on him? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.